When it comes to listing your home for sale, everyone and their mom has advice. Oh, honey, who's going to want to buy this place on a cul-de-sac? It's literally a dead end. But for professional advice, a REMAX agent actually knows best. Let's start with a neighborhood analysis. I've been seeing lots of buyers looking to move here. REMAX is the most trusted name in real estate. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, I'm joined by Wisconsin Senator Tammy Baldwin to talk about LGBTQ visibility and rights and how a good night's sleep and a homemade teleprompter helps get things done. Then Grace Parra and Michaela Watkins join me in studio to talk productivity and burnout. Spoiler, sometimes making a to-do list is a great way to stress yourself out. And as always, our hills. Hey, everybody, before we get to the show, a little bit of housekeeping. If you have a hill that you'll die on, just record a 30-second voice memo on your phone and send it to hysteria at crooked.com. We do listen to all of them, but our inbox is just teeming with them. So we really love it that you're sending us so many hills to die on and keep them coming um, because hopefully we'll be able to do a whole episode of just just your petty, your petty garbage. I love you all. Second, merch is in the works, and I'm biased, but it's really great. Next, I'm trying a new thing where I give a shout-out to a special group of listeners. This week, I want to give a shout-out to dads. There's a lot of you who listen. There's a lot of you who get in touch, and a lot of the ways that you get in touch start with, uh, hey, I know I'm not the target audience, but... And while that's kind of true, we made the show with women with the intention that women would listen. We also love it when people who are not in our target demo listen because... I, we, we just, we like to be listened to. So dads, thank you for listening and thank you for all you're doing for the next generation. And uh, yeah, happy Father's Day. Is this airing right before Father's Day? I think it is. And on that note, because I'm saying is this airing right before Father's Day, we pre-recorded this episode because I'm currently on vacation. So if everything is currently on fire, that's um, not something we're talking about the show because this happened in the past. And if everything is really, really bad, I'm just going to stay in Italy forever. So arrivederci. Hi, Senator Baldwin. How are you? I'm well. How are you? I'm great. Let me just say first that I am a daughter of constituents of yours who are big fans, who are jealous that I'm getting to talk to you today. (laughs) Well, Senator Baldwin, June is both Pride Month and Dairy Month. (laughs) As a Wisconsinite, how do you adequately celebrate both? Uh, Well, uh, I'll go to a parade with cheese curds. (laughs) Is there a specific one that you like more than the other? Uh, Wisconsin parades? Actually, I enjoy parades, but I I really take stock when it's Pride Month and especially this year when we are observing the 50th anniversary since uh, the Stonewall Rebellion. And you know, take stock of how far we've come, how far we have yet to go. And uh, I also um, think about some of the uh, the heroes, the people with great courage who spoke up, who were visible and helped create what we consider the modern day LGBTQ civil rights movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and then 
I do want to take seriously your question about dairy pride also. <laughs> I, I knew that um, you would have to because it is a very serious thing in Wisconsin. And it is. Well, we're America's dairy land, but I would say that um, uh, I have uh, hardly ever seen um, the struggles of the uh, dairy farm community be, be as great as they are right now. And we're losing typically two farms a day. That's how bad it is. Hmm. So um, there's a lot of the heritage to be proud of, but boy, do we have to uh, uh, think seriously about um, how to stabilize uh, our our agricultural economy and particularly in dairy. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are two really interesting, I guess, confluences because it seems like, it feels like to somebody who has grown up and seen a lot of changes uh, when it comes to Americans' attitude toward LGBTQ rights and actually laws around those, it feels like we're moving in a positive direction for one and a sort of negative direction for another. But I want to stick with the LGBTQ issue yes. to start. Um, so you're the first openly LGBT person elected to serve in the Wisconsin Assembly, the House of Representatives, and the U.S. Senate. So you've been at the forefront of these changes. What is the change that has happened over your career that you have found most surprising? And what is a change that you are surprised has yet to happen? Well, I will say that um, the thing that I remember through the progression of my career and my time in public service is just the increasing numbers of um, visible uh, out LGBTQ um, elected officials and participants in government, um, in appointed positions, et cetera. So I remember first being elected to the Dane County Board of Supervisors in 1986. Mm -hmm. And Shortly after my election, I attended a conference uh, of openly gay and lesbian elected and appointed officials. And at this conference, there were about uh, a dozen or 14 out elected officials. And we got together and we were counting up who we had invited but couldn't come. We think that at the time, again, mid-1980s, that there were about two dozen out-elected officials in the world. Um, we uh, had uh, we called ourselves international because one member of the British Parliament attended this conference. Okay. And I go to uh, what would be the successor of those conferences um, uh, still to this day, and now there's hundreds of openly LGBT elected and appointed officials, people from all over the globe. Uh, and just seeing that change is remarkable and how lonely it was in the middle, in the middle of the 1980s. Um, and I'm sure much more painfully, uh, uh, lonely, uh, in the seventies. And, um, uh, so we've come a long, long way, and that's probably the biggest change. Our visibility, our seat at the table matters. Um, in terms of your question about what hasn't gotten done, um, 
we do not have a national um, a civil rights law that protects people from discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity in a wide range of areas, education, employment, housing, public accommodation, financial services, jury duty. I mean, the list is very long. Um, We've seen headway in some states. Um, I will say that Wisconsin was the first state to pass a law protecting people on the basis of sexual orientation in employment, housing, education, and public accommodations. But uh, and that was back in 1982. <laughs> but uh, we have seen. Uh, uh, just a lack of substantial progress on achieving that goal at the national level to protect the people who live in the 29 states that lack full coverage. Hmm. And that uh, let, that's a great segue into talking about the Equality Act, which you helped introduce and has passed the House. Can you talk a little bit about that uh, bill and its journey that it has yet to complete? Yes. Well, um, I see... Um, signs of hope, and I also see uh, the need for a lot of perseverance in this battle. So it wasn't um, so long ago that the focus of the LGBT civil rights movement was actually taking on anti-discrimination language uh, uh, legislation sort of issue by issue, employment, housing, education. And the Equality Act was a new approach, a comprehensive approach, and I think um, its time had come. Uh, When first crafted and introduced, um, it, it was partisan. Now we're seeing bipartisan support in both houses of Congress. We heralded and cheered the House passage of the Equality Act last month in May. What a a historic moment. And uh, yet, uh, the path to uh, passage and um, implementation is going to be a very tough one. Mm -hmm. And moving to the president, I know that you have a reputation of not being somebody who is a smack talker, uh, which is not rare in politics, but also refreshing. But I'm going to try to get you to talk a little bit of smack. Um, what basis does the president have to claim himself an ally of LGBTQ people and also stand against legislation like this? Um, well, I have to say, uh, and I just tweeted about it for Pride Month, he uh, issued a proclamation, a presidential proclamation. And then uh, we just kind of went through the iteration of things he has done to uh, take the movement backwards. And uh, so far, his administration has banned patriotic trans Americans from serving in the military. He's gutted protections for transgender people in health care, housing, and schools. He said he would uh, uh, oppose the Equality Act, and I could keep going, but he'll have to do better than that, just a proclamation. Yeah. It, it seems like he's somebody who probably has a little bit more show than actually do. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about, I know that you're not running for president, and I know that you've said you're not running for president. A lot of your colleagues are running for president, but I want to kind of nudge the conversation in a different direction. You've been a lot of firsts for the state of Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin's never had a female governor. It's only one of 20, it's one of only 20 states that has not had a female governor. Has the thought of 
possibly heading back to the Midwest crossed your mind? You know, I see myself as a legislator uh, as opposed to um, somebody in the executive branch. Um, I, you know, I work very closely with uh, governors, uh, the, the governors of, of Wisconsin that we've had since I've been in legislative office. I've worked very closely with presidents. Um, but I think that uh, my, my skill lies in fighting for the people of Wisconsin and um, bringing people together in uh, the Senate or uh, formally in the House to create majorities to move progress forward. Um, and so I feel like I have the biggest honor I could possibly have in serving the people of the state of Wisconsin in the United States Senate. Well, they're glad to have you. Um, I have one more question for you before um, I let you get back to your busy day. Um, so later this episode, we have a conversation about productivity. What do you do when you need to get a lot of things done in one day? And when do you decide that you need to just take a break? Uh, well, the the best thing I can do is get a good night's sleep the night before. I don't always do that, but I do know that that's going to prepare me for a long day and and being focused. Um, in terms of when I just need to take a break, well, I don't always get to when I need to, but um, I do try to do various things to relax. And one of the things for me um, that's taking a break is doing either a craft or an activity where there's a tangible outcome right away. Because in my day job in the United States Senate, it's often years. <laughs> um, it requires perseverance. And um, you see that work pay off over a really, really long period of time. So if I can do some carpentry or some sewing or something like that and see the, uh, the results of my work, to me, that's very relaxing and very satisfying. Carpentry? Sure. What's the last thing you made? The last thing I made, so a lot of, well, actually the last thing I made was a teleprompter. Oh my gosh. You you made a handmade teleprompter? Well, I, I it was... It was a DIY project that I looked up on the internet, and it involved some significant carpentry, and um, uh, but also involved getting an old, uh, well, not an old, a new picture frame, inexpensive, taking taking the fake picture that they have in it when you buy it, and taking the price tag off, and that's the where the teleprompter. Uh, reflects. That's so cool. So do you use it or is this something that a lot of people use? Um, so it was um, it was something I had hoped to finish before my campaign was over because I was always having, you know, if somebody holding cue cards or holding, um, you know, an iPad with remarks somewhere close to the camera, but it didn't ever look like I was looking in the camera. Uh -huh. So I decided to make one, but I didn't have enough time to finish it. So it actually got its inaugural use last weekend. Oh, congratulations on the completed teleprompter. Congra Thank you. <laughs> Congratulations on all your work on the Equality Act. Senator Tammy Baldwin of Wisconsin, thank you so much for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you, Erin. Bye-bye. Bye. We have to take a break, but coming up, more hysteria. Hysteria is brought to you by Viore. Tired of boring workout gear? Check out Viore. Viore's versatile and comfy products are designed to look great in and outside the gym, whether you're running, training, or even just 
lying on your couch, enjoying the fact that your two-year-old child is leaving you alone for five blessed minutes. I love that for Viore. You know what? That seems like a real perk of Viore. (laughs) It is. It's perfect. It's cut perfectly for lying down and just savoring a moment to be left alone. It's great. <laughs> five the, stars. No comment. 100% great. That's the type that's my favorite sport. The new the women's performance jogger is the softest jogger you'll ever own. Grab one of these new colors before they sell out and check out the women's daily legging which features a high waist drawstring tie and upgraded no slip fit. All things that are absolutely essential in a legging. Essential. Uh, I love these leggings. They are cuz you know like not everybody's the same. You know, so mm-hmm. it's like I need a little bit more room around my booty. So I size up a little bit, but then it's usually too big in my waist. And so now I just just pull that drawstring and I don't show show any crack when I bend over. (laughs) Congratulations. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much. See, you have your baby and I have my butt crack. (laughs) (laughs) For guys, there's the men's core short, the most comfy lined athletic short out there and the men's Sunday performance jogger. Oh my gosh, Alyssa, my brother, who I have given Viore performance gear to. Won an ultra marathon over the holidays. I saw that. That is so incredible. He ran 80 miles in the freezing cold. I don't think he was wearing his Viore core shorts because that would be dangerous. Dangerous. But, but he he loves wearing them to train, and uh, I'm so proud of him. I'm so pr- Viore played a role in his ultra marathon win. <laughs> Uh, plus, Viore is 100% offsetting their carbon footprint and reducing and offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 onwards. Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they're offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com slash hysteria. That's V-U-O-R-I dot com slash hysteria. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Go to viore.com slash hysteria and discover the versatility of Viore clothing. Hysteria is brought to you by ZocDoc. Do you love to treat yourself? Maybe I you do. buy fancy coffee. I know everybody does, yeah, right? Yeah, come on. It's called a dopamine infusion. We do you what we it. can when we can. Exactly. Sometimes you just need a little special little treat to boost you to get through the day. If you treat yourself to the top options other places, why settle when finding a doctor? It's your health after all. Enter ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top-tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. So don't settle. Go for the best and find the right doctor for you. Erin, let me tell you, I'm so lucky ZocDoc heard that my dermatologist was not taking my insurance anymore. I found a new dermatologist in a half hour on ZocDoc. Takes my insurance not far away, got an appointment right away. That's something that would take like a good half day of sweaty phone work. Yeah. In a pre-ZocDoc era. You're just prostrating yourself to the poor receptionists that answer the call and you're like, no, you're not calling, you're on hold, you're giving them information, they're asking you, they're they're framing their questions in ways that you don't quite understand because that's not how it's written on your insurance card. Totally. My group number? I don't know. <laughs> I don't, bin number? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them 
online. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is between just 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. Go to ZocDoc.com slash hysteria and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash hysteria. ZocDoc.com slash hysteria. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Listeners, welcome to a very special pre-recorded episode of Hysteria. If you're listening to this, I'm currently in Italy, God willing. Um, and here's a funny story about me going abroad. I was in Nepal when the uh, when Comey got fired. Every single every single time I'm out of the country, like some weird shit goes down. So this is me talking to you on what's today. This is pre June first. This is May 29th that I'm saying this into a microphone, and you're hearing this a couple weeks later in June. Who knows what crazy shit will have happened? Who knows if the Earth will still exist? But here we are in studio, about to do an episode for you because we care that much. I'd like to welcome the two. Wonderful women who are joining me this week. We have Grace Para. What is up, y'all? Hey, Grace. I hi. feel like we just talked for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like. Hi, what's up? Oh, you know, nothing. Just enjoying my second enormous vat of coffee. Oh, you and coffee. Oh, I love it. We I were just it. talking about ghosts, actually. Uh, we were just talking about ghosts Very and, and scariness, but mm-hmm. travel nightmares. Yeah. And I wanted to bring in Michaela Watkins hi. to discuss. <laughs> Did somebody say travel nightmares? She just came from <laughs> the end of a travel nightmare? What, yeah. What was, happened? I was like on a three day, you know, some people go like on a three day retreat or like a three day fast or like a, I went on a three day travel hellscape uh, trip. Not really because you know what? I'm alive. Yes. Barely. Yes. 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 Barely. We won't be taking a picture after this. <laughs> um, I just got off a plane. Uh, anybody who knows me knows that I'm the worst flyer ever. Uh, my way out to Vancouver, I I popped a pill on the runway when because I wait till we're taxiing. I wait until we're yeah. You, you know, want to maximize it exactly. Yeah. And I also I don't want them to do the thing where they're like, oh, sorry guys, we're gonna we're gonna be delayed, and then I'm just a mess. Well, that's what happened because I woke up an hour and a half later and we were still on the tarmac. Oh, Had to go back to the gate. Ugh. Coming here, coming back from Vancouver last night. I was stuck for seven hours at the Vancouver airport, plane canceled, not because of the plane or anything wrong with the plane, but because, I'm sorry, Air Canada, I got to call you on this one. You, your, 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 your software went down, like your booking software. So even if I wanted to buy a different (gasps) flight, they said, we can't even put you on this plane because, because we have no way of Uh. seeing that you bought the flight. And so- Do they have pencils? Do they have pencils yeah, and pens exactly. and no, paper? No, this whole computer thing, guys, I know we tried it, and it's, <laughs> I love words We're with friends. We're in a post-computer world now, I think. Yeah. Bye-bye computers. I know. Oh, man, Damn, if you want to get really scared, there's a Radiolab episode about mm-hmm. gamma rays from space and how they can flip a bit 
in a computer like chip Uh and flipping one bit in a computer chip can like change signals that are being sent through a computer. So if like it hits one time, they this plane went down like a thousand feet. Nope. Because they think that a gamma ray just like hit the computer and then it was fine. What? Yeah, it's crazy. I know I sound very tinfoil hat right now, but that's a that's a real. How often does that happen? I don't know. Not that often, obviously, but yeah. I we, mean, we don't know. We don't know. I just, I feel like the gamma rays are hitting everywhere right now. Because yeah, sure. even coming up just now, <laughs> by the way, I couldn't even, once I did land here this morning, I couldn't, we couldn't park the plane because the plane that was in the spot was having maintenance issues because of their computer <laughs> But just coming up just now, I was like, I'm here for Crooked Media and the woman at the desk goes, okay. Hold on. And I go, is your is your computer down? She goes, it's so slow. Right I was like, I can't with this. Maybe Michaela is a gamma ray. Yeah, you are a human gamma ray. It's, and the pro- you know what? If you keep having the same problem over and over again, the problem is you. Oh, really? So like if I have a lot of great sex and I'm great at sex. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's a good problem to have. <laughs> How is that a problem? With like a whole bunch of different people. That's me. The problem or solution is you. Um, the funniest, weirdest plane story I was flying to the 2016 Republican convention mm-hmm. as a delegate, obviously. Mm-hmm. No, as a, I, was, <laughs> I was covering it and I was flying from New York to Cleveland. And when I was, we were about to get on the plane, it was all journalists because it was like right before the convention. So it was like, you know, Nicholas Kristoff was on my plane and like a couple people from MSNBC and uh, Michael Che, who's an SNL writer and he's on Weekend Update and I know him from New York. And we were chatting before we got on the flight and he's like, yeah, I'm going to do this thing. We get up in the plane and like everyone's ears just kept popping and popping and popping. And we didn't go over, like get very high and it was Mm -hmm. really hot in there. And we just kept flying at this really low speed. I know. And then we are at this really low height. And then we suddenly the the controller person or the captain is like, hey, guys, we're going to turn around and land and make an emergency landing in New York. So we flew for like 45 minutes. Oh, God. Did you land on the Hudson? And then turned around and flew and landed back in LaGuardia, got back off the flight and just kind of waited around for them to give us a new plane so that we could actually get to Cleveland. And the funniest part of the story was you were kind of standing standing around by the gate. So far, most of it is pretty hilarious. I'm waiting (laughs) for you to tap it. Standing by the gate and... um, all of a sudden, Michael Che comes running back up and he's like, you guys know what I did? I got off the plane and I just walked out of the airport because I thought we were in Cleveland. He'd been like listening to his <gasps> oh, headphones the whole time. Oh, my God. He got my. off the plane because he thought he was in Cleveland. God. He got in a cab and told the cab driver the address and the cab driver's like, that's not a place. And he was like, yes, it is. And he looked outside and was like, oh. I'm in New York. <laughs> oh my God. Oh what? my God. Yeah, and then we ended up taking off and it was fine. We all got there and it was fine. Yeah. Do you know how I would have to I'm like, is there a medic? I just came off a plane that <laughs> the, emergency landed. The phrase emergency landing is like my skin is crawling. Also, yeah, that was we're my not, first one. We're not climbing properly. Like that's when the shit goes down. Yeah, you're no. right. Yeah. It Did was, you ever find out what the problem with the plane was? You're so Midwestern. I, I the problem this. was the, with the plane is it should have been a high speed train. Train. There yeah. should be high street speed trains that connect oh, every major city Excel in America. Is everywhere. I know. Yes. Excel is for all. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Don't make us leave the ground. Oh, yeah. I know. Are you one of the people that you can't work on a plane, right? Work on a plane? Like, do like work? Are you you know what I do on a plane? What? Penny Dell variety puzzles. That's I true. love them. Sudoku crossword puzzles and logic problems all uh, day long. No, yes. those are fine. They're so great. Those are fine. Whatever goes well with an Ambien. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the reason I brought up the productivity thing is I have a coworker 
who, when he needs to get a script done, he will fly to New York and just work. He'll just what an asshole! What? That's, oh my I god! Agree. He will do it, the script on the flight for six straight hours. He'll get and he'll get it done. That's what parents do. And he'll hang up and hang out in New York, and then he'll just like come back. Parents always talk about like, oh, I can't wait to get on the plane. I'm like, what? Like, it's just me time. It's like, <laughs> it's time for me time to have a panic attack. <laughs> straight hours. Well, I mean, I think it's I think it's interesting. The reason I brought up the productivity thing is because that is today's topic is uh, the time that we use to be productive and the time that we have to unclench from work and be unproductive. And whether I I feel like we live in a time where we're bombarded with this idea that we're always supposed to be improving ourselves. I know. Like if you're alone, you should be listening to something that'll make you smarter Mm -hmm. or you should be watching something that your friends are talking about or you should be doing this. You should be doing this. And sometimes I just want to like, I don't know, watch reruns of 30 Rock. You know, I don't want to be productive. I don't Mm want to be. uh, But then whenever whenever I do, I feel guilty about it. I like uh, sitting in silence. Like if I'm by myself in my house, I don't need to be listening to shit. Really? Nothing. No podcast. I mean, sure, sometimes I do. But then, yeah, it just feels like pressure because I agree completely. Like now we're in this space where it feels like we have to fill our downtime with stuff. And a lot of it is entertainment. It is podcasts. It's other shows that people are watching. And you feel this guilt of like, I'm left out of the conversation if I don't have this, if, I, mm-hmm. if I'm not watching this thing, if I'm not caught up. Right. Uh, we feel like we have to maximize. It's like too much pressure, man. I don't know. Do you feel that? Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. But what I do now is I tell myself, you are going to do absolutely fuck all right now. That's so good. what does that look like for you? So it means, so instead of spinning my wheels, feeling like I should be doing something constantly, because if I have a free day, I'm like, oh my God. And then I have a list of 75 things that are going to improve myself, my health, mm-hmm. my looks, mm-hmm. and my creative and my, and my productivity. And so what hap- ends up happening is I end up hating myself for 98% of it because mm-hmm. I've done none of those things. Mm-hmm. So what I've started doing is I just <clears throat> completely now um, say to myself, like, you are going to fuck off right now. Hmm. And what does fucking off look like? It, it could be anything I want, you know. I'm not somebody who can just go, you know, there's people who like can walk in the store and like sniff perfumes. I can't. I don't have time for that. <laughs> I don't know why yeah. that for me, that's just too indulgent. But it, it means. Sniffing perfume. Yeah. I don't know who's time. <laughs> who has the time? Like um, everything is just so overwhelming. So for me, screw off time is usually like I'm going to watch a show. I'm going to organize a drawer. I'm going to I'm just going to do whatever calls to me. You know, mm-hmm. if I want to if I want to play this word game on my phone or oh, I play it. Game. You I know what I do? I noodle on my guitar. Mm-hmm. I noodle and I don't necessarily learn new songs. No, but that's so I'll play Incubus all day long. <laughs> Listen, my friend who's like, I, I want to learn the guitar. You know, I think he was 35 and uh, he said uh, to a friend of ours, I really want to learn the guitar, but I'm 35. And she said, yeah, but if you start now when you're 45, you will have been playing the guitar for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a exactly. that's a refreshing yeah that's yeah. a re- refreshing attitude i mean so we have days where we need to just sort of fuck off and not do work and recharge even though that is like very difficult for some people mm-hmm. i think we're probably the personality types that we're like ah what well, i have other stuff yeah. to do but what does a productive day look like for you a non-fuck off day like because we can't i mean i think in in entertainment we have periods of time where we're working a ton mm-hmm. and periods of time where we have 
quote unquote days off, but we're also yeah. working on stuff. So like, how do you maximize a day off when you have to get something An done? unstructured day. Yeah. So not the, you, I have a 6 a.m. call time and I'm going to work till 10 o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. So on those days where I don't have a structure, um, I have to, I'm somebody who I have to know what my day is going to be. My day is either a working day or it's a, it, it's a non-working day. And mm-hmm. it's like, a, you know, doctor's appointments and things like that. But if it's a working day, it is, it is, has to be that. And Mm -hmm. I can't schedule other things into it. So Mm. I have, so I have to like create that time for myself where I'm not allowed to just be like, and I'm just going to go get a quick brow shaping, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. there's not, not, that's not allowed to happen. Mm -hmm. There's no dashing off to go do something. You are fully feral. You are like (laughs) hair matted to your head, like non-English words screamed (laughs) at anybody who tries to I probably don't even get dressed to be completely honest. Do you leave your house? Like crazy nude woman typing madly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in the same thing I went to bed in the night before. Oh, that's lovely. I, um, it sounds super indulgent, I know, but I actually designed a little mini, uh, writer's retreat. Oh yeah. Um, I want to hear about this. Can I tell you about yeah. it? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, for me, because I need structure, I need structure in a way that's not overly structured. Mm-hmm. So here's the structure. It starts out and you can do this anywhere. I, I'm lucky I have a place that's a little outside LA. So when I have um, people come and do this writer's retreat, they really feel like they're getting away and, and we all we all feel this way. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have that luxury, you can do something as simple as do a, a, an apartment swap with somebody. It has to be a place where you have no ties to it. So you don't look around and go, God, I really should do laundry. You know, there's mm-hmm. just, you can't have anything that you feel like you should do. So you're only only there to work. Mm-hmm. So um, the night before, the first night, let's just say it's like a Friday to Sunday. Friday night, go out to dinner, tell each other your 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 ideas. This is your co-conspirator. This is the person who you may not want to share what you're working on. Maybe it's not ready. Maybe it's not ready to be told, but you're going to tell this person. This is your priest. This is your confession. You get this person on board with you and they may never you may never need them the whole weekend. You may never talk to them about it, but get it out there and share what what you're doing with now the other is this person. like I am writing this type of novel, or I am going to write exactly six chapters of this novel that I'm working on, and I want you to hold me to that. Yeah, or like here's my here's my script. I sold the idea. I'm in the outline stage, but here's the basic premise Got of it. it. Blah blah blah. Or it could be you know this is my novel. Uh, you know, and then you have like you know eat, have some wine, talk about it. You know, get mm-hmm. excited about it. Basically, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. next morning that that's it. Mm-hmm. Next morning you wake up, you have a little breakfast. You tell each other your intention. Today, I'm going to go over my novel and I'm going to, I'm doing a rewrite. So I've been working so hard on making sure it's funny. Now I'm going to make sure it makes sense because I got so caught up in not having enough hijinks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, or I, I've been outlining for so long. I'm not, I haven't started yet. I need to start my script. So you say it out loud to the other person and you know, you, you drink your coffee, you look at your phone, you see the terrible news in the world. So now we start. Okay. Now it's like, 9.30 a.m. This is like, let's just say it's like 8.30, 9.30. Mm-hmm. 9 a.m. You, or 9.30, you, we do what my, is my favorite part. And I know you guys are probably going to barf inside your mouths, but <laughs> we do like a meditation, like a guided meditation to sort of move away from the outside noise of the world into our creative mind heads. So if you got to get away from children in cages at the border and get into your 
um, your fantasy world, the place where you get to kind of leave off this shitty reality of life and go into this other place that you can com- buy completely in. And so no phones, so no, no phones, Netflix, no Netflix, but you just kind of bridge this gap with mm-hmm. sort of like a mindful kind of guided meditation that, mm-hmm. that, that I'll lead or somebody if they want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like sort of just an intuitive giving yourself permission to just let it all go and then being in this other place and mm-hmm. kind of calling in because I'm a real woo-woo chick, <laughs> like calling in help, you know, get yeah. some creative uh, inspiration. You want to muse. From, to I want to muse. Stop by. Totally want to muse. Yeah. Um, I want Sharon Stone, man. <laughs> no, um, so then you start, okay? Now 10 to 2, 4 hours, you're on your own. And you can take breaks. You can go throw a ball at the dog in the yard. You can, you know, get up, make coffee. You, I just put on this music that has no lyrics. It's just this um, Spotify has these focus. I, they have all these mood, you know, oh, yeah. uh, playlists. They have a focus one. And in focus, you can find a whole bunch of ones that are just mm. sort of this um, kind of meditative sort of non-lyrical music. Mm-hmm. Or like Brian goes, Eno. You just put on a Brian Put on Eno. Brian Eno, Philip Glass, you get it. Yeah. So then uh, that just plays and you take breaks. And, you know, my friend might come in and plop down. You're in different rooms, okay? You're mm-hmm. not in the same room. I don't want to hear you eat carrots. Um, <laughs> you, my friend might come in and be, flop down in the bed and say, I'm stuck. And then I just kind of stop what I'm doing and go, what's going on? Well, I have the character, blah, blah, blah. And I don't know. Okay, well, let's talk it out. Okay, yeah, that's it. I'm, you know, you can do that with each other mm-hmm. and you're open to each other. And there's something about helping the other person that sort of mm-hmm. takes you out of your thing. And, um, Gives your mind a little break and um, and it's nice. Anyway, that's till two o'clock. You you get up, you snack, you know, mm-hmm. you, it, you're not anchored at your desk. It is so crazy productive. Hmm. Two to three. Then you go for a hike, like do something physical, like go for a walk, go for a hike, mm-hmm. do go for a run, whatever it is. Does the collective nature of this increase your productivity? Like mm-hmm. if you're left to your own devices, because this sounds like something that a person could just do on their own. Mm-hmm. But... It also sounds like something that I would be like, I'm doing this. And then just like, I wouldn't do it. Totally. You wouldn't do it. And you would start the distractions watching, in your house. Yeah. And you would start watching things on your computer. Mm-hmm. And then you would start um, making appointments for things. And you know what I like about returning this? emails. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like there's a little bit of like an unspoken, not competitive edge, but the mm-hmm. fact that other people are there and they're working makes me feel like, yeah, mm-hmm. accountability. Yeah, I gotta, totally. yeah, I gotta be accountable. Gotta yeah, work. I can't, they can't see me yeah. like going out and right, <laughs> yeah. get in my car. How and, embarrassing. Yeah. I have to, you know, I gotta be sort of yeah. in this world and it's so it holds, holds my feet to the fire. Mm-hmm. Shame um, is a good tool in that way. This is like a light, a light threat of shame, yeah. but self-imposed shame. Yeah. It's not like somebody else is being like, you're terrible, right? You know, it's like you being ashamed that you told people you're going to do this thing and then yes, you're not doing yeah. it. It's true. Like we all agreed to do this thing. Yeah. And it can't be one more thing I'm full of shit about. Yeah. You know? <laughs> totally. I mean, I think what's really interesting about that is that, you know, we all are writers or mm-hmm. we dabble in writing. Uh, writing, I think, is the most fun and fulfilling profession in the world that sometimes slash often makes you want to swan dive into an empty pool. Often. Uh, yes, it yes. is. It is a really frustrating thing. I think most people don't have the luxury of doing something creative for a living. So how how do you think something like this could be adjusted to just somebody who wants to maybe have like a weekend where they're just like, I'm going to read. I mean, well, could it be something well, that... So, so- 
So, you know, okay. So like I said, you go for a hike, right? Then you talk to each other about what your experience was between, between 10 and two, like, Mm -hmm. oh, this is what I did. This is what I got done, blah, blah, blah. And then you have screw off time. So all these things are things that I think make a beautiful day. So from, let's just say three to five, I can go online and watch, you know, blah, 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 or shop on guilt. I don't know. Yeah. So, and then, and then you have dinner, you know, and you talk about anything but writing, talk about your relationships, your breakups, your whatever, the first time you felt, you know, everything else that just sort of feeds creativity. And then at seven o'clock, you watch a film, a movie together that somebody picks that either has something to do with their project or something that inspires a project. You know, for example, my friend was writing a romantic comedy about a a guy who's in politics. And I, I, I was, I said, have you ever seen Bullworth? You know, so mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. we, you know, you, and then even though that has nothing to do with what I'm writing, if you're not a creative person, I think this stimulates so many parts of the brain. First of all, um, camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Secondly, uh, alone, but together, there's something really mm-hmm. sort of free um, when you can be alone, but with somebody else mm-hmm. that you're not, there's so much energy that gets expended when you're with other people all the time. Mm-hmm. But if you're free to be yourself and, and it's understood that you're going to be around each other, but not together, there's something really communal and nice about that. It's like being a cat. Oh, yeah. Just like wanting to be in the same room, but I not necessarily that. participating <laughs> yes. in what's happening. Yeah. It's like yeah. we all agree this weekend we're a house full of cats. Exactly. <laughs> don't touch me. Don't look at me. Mm-hmm. We'll commune at this at specific times. I'll come into your room and flop on your bed <laughs> <laughs> and tell you when I need to lick my own asshole or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's like it, it, that does sound like a really lovely way to get. I mean, if I had done. to do my taxes, that's like a, another, that's another great way. If I was like, I can't sit down and look at my receipts. If I yeah. had 10 to 2, you're over there writing your book. And from 10 to 2, I'm just like looking at numbers. Uh-huh. Um, you know, what's the difference? And then, yeah. and then you free your mind and do something else, do something physical, eat, have, you know, fellowship. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm imagining, <laughs> I'm imagining the conversation the night before if what you're doing is your taxes. Well, I've got a lot of, you know, someone is like, I'm working on a, I'm working on a kind of horror thriller with this feminist bent. Well, I'm filling out my 1040. I'm, I'm thinking there's a lot of lines I need to write numbers on. I'm going to have to do some math. I'm going to rewrite on my W2s. So, uh, I got to really make a better story or why you can claim cat litter. <laughs> a lot of cats. Yeah. I like how structured that is. I was thinking about like, my own methods of productivity are hope that I don't get cool texts, cool articles, cool music, that there's not a show that I want to watch and, uh, and and that I get as much of my stuff done in the morning as possible. Because mm-hmm. the second that those like afternoon hours of like three to five thirty hit, I am at my least productive. Nothing is useful for me during that time. I've usually just had a lunch that also incorporates like a lot of chocolate at the end. So I feel really full and just a lot of sugar and I don't mm-hmm. feel great about myself. Mm-hmm. And, um, things pick back up again in the evening. So if I'm on a deadline and I don't finish everything in in the daytime, I can definitely do stuff again in the evening. But those afternoon hours are the hardest for me to combat. I don't know what to do. That's why they call it siesta in Europe. You're supposed to sleep during that. You are supposed to. You're supposed to sleep. And I don't understand people who are really just able to be like, oh, 
I have 45 minutes? Okay, I'm just going to work. I, I'm somebody who has to be so geared up and pumped up. Like if my, if I know that we have to leave because we got to go to a wedding at 7, you know, and it's 6.15 and I'm like, well, I'm not going to do anything more on this work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now's a good time to take a shower. If I'm ready to go at 6.45 and my husband's like, eh, I think I'll jump in the shower and I have 15 minutes where <laughs> I could have been working. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm just right. So I'm like, I don't know what to do with myself. I just stand there by the door like pissed. Yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> I, I, if I have an extra 15 minutes before going someplace like in public where I need to look put together, I will just waste all of that on fixing one more hair on my head or drawing over. in a little more of my eyebrows or something. Just like I, I, it's, it's, it's such a waste how much time I spend oh, on hair makeup. Oh, you know what you just remind me of? I, I, if I have like a 15 or 20 minutes instead of, you know, um, uh, instead of inflicting damage to the makeup I just put on, yeah, I um, I set timers and I clean for twenty minutes in a room. Oh wow, oh, yeah, that's, that's productive. Yeah, guys, you know, we're like a real simple magazine. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Well, it's funny because like I think everybody has different styles and everybody has different space in their lives for productivity. Like I'd imagine if I had a child, my productivity wouldn't be something that I could be like, I'm this entire day is for working because you wake up and your kid throws up and you're like, okay, well, no, my entire day is, is this, or like, you know, your kid has a schedule and it's just a lot of people have stuff that they're beholden to other people's schedules for. But I find that my personal style when it comes to productivity is I like to stack things on top of each other. I have trouble paying attention to just one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. So when I'm working in a room, I'm always doodling or I'm taking notes Mm -hmm. or I'm like drawing pictures or we just got kinetic sand in the writer's room. Oh my God, that's so awesome. It has made made everyone so placid during these big, long brainstorming sessions. They're like, kinetic sand is this, it's like this kind of sand product that sticks together mm-hmm. you can make shapes out of it and stuff but you can also pull it apart and it falls like it's like it's play-doh but like very therapeutic very therapeutic and yeah. you can make like a shape and you can cut it and it's very asmr it's it's really really fun to play with wow yeah we all play with kinetic sand while we're doing it but um so that's one way to feel like productive with your hands while you're trying mm-hmm. to think about like ways to poke holes in a script or punch mm-hmm. up a run or something like that i found that when i'm really at my like peak performance levels, mm-hmm. I will do like three things at once. I used to run to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I would run to the grocery store while listening to like a podcast, like a really wonky one, like Amicus with Dahlia Lithwick from Slate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would listen to that, run to the grocery store, do my grocery shopping, and then like take an Uber back home. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like trying to, uh, when, when I was living in New York, when I was on the subway, I would always have a notebook and because the subway is always getting delayed. Mm-hmm. And whenever the train was stopped, I would take my notebook out and start just like writing down whatever I was thinking or whatever I was looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, when I used to have to take Ubers before I had a car out here, I would, I would do the same thing. I would try to like write down notes in the back of the Uber when I was going places. I, that's why I love driving, by the way, because you, you can write down notes. Oh. <laughs> no, because you can't, because you have to be focused on the task at hand of not dying on the 405 or whatever. And I, I like that you can't do any. You can listen to podcasts, sure, but you can talk on the phone. You can be you productive. You like that you and multi- can't do anything? Yeah, I do. I that love it. I love it. torture for me. I love it because it just forces you to be present in the moment. You've got to pay attention to what you're doing. And it's, it's rote, too. Driving feels like, you know, we've done it a million times. We know how to do it. You have to be focused for sure. But it's like it, it frees you from, because to, to me, like doing three things at once, super productive, but also just like 
taxing, right? And mm -hmm. if all you're doing is just driving, it's like, okay, I have the one thing that I have to do right now. I'm just going to focus <laughs> on that. And that's like, it's very rare. Most of the time, I feel like that pressure to do three things at once. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's nice when that's taken away from you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One thing I, I think that the modern world has poisoned me with is is the kind of multitasking thing. On one hand, it, it has been productive for me when I'm trying to learn things mm -hmm. or when I'm trying to like bake and and read a book at the same time. I'll just put on an audio book. Mm -hmm. um, but it's all... Yeah, but it's also like... That's incredible that you can... I would just be like, wait, am I... <laughs> baking soda? What did they just powder? say? What did the book just say? And what did the <laughs> recipe just say? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. The New Yorker has a fiction podcast where a famous author will read another famous author's short story, mm -hmm. and that is... Primo oh multitasking. I gotta, I gotta get into that. So, so I feel good. like I'm just always trying to strip down what I'm doing to like doing one thing maximum. Like with mm -hmm. cooking, that's when I don't often like do anything else. I'll, I'll listen to podcasts on occasion, but a lot of times when I'm cooking, I like just focusing on the task at hand. And I think it allows me to tap into those senses, the taste and scent and smell specifically that often get ignored during the day when, you know, we're doing all this other stuff. That's the thing about like, mandalas and things like that. It's like you're there to do one thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you're there to just do this one simple task. Mm -hmm. And we as a society have completely compounded and and fractured our, our thinking. Um, it's so hard to find quiet time to really just be creative because and especially I know for parents and I know, um, you know, here we are again with, you know, childless people on this um, podcast. But if anybody wants like a really good, you know, um, for for writers out there, um, Elizabeth Gilbert does this really good one about mm. talking to parents about what to do um, to get your creative time in. I, I know it's such a luxury that um, I get to sort of not have my entire life dictated by the, keeping somebody else alive all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but what is so, the counter, the counter side of that is that I just feel a little crazy because I feel like there's too much to do. There's too much to take on. We're, there's this expectation that we're going to be um, super superheroes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, when was it ever, when it, is it ever just going to be okay just to be, pretty good pretty good yeah mm -hmm. I mean <laughs> I mean no and that's that's the thing I, I think about this a lot when I think about stress and anxiety is if you're a high achiever mm -hmm. chances are you have a voice in your head that's always telling you that you're not good enough mm -hmm. and there's a part of you that thinks that you need it you need a thing telling you you're not good enough because without it why would you even try mm -hmm. if you didn't think you were good enough like what's the motivation my husband hasn't even my husband has so learned that that saying like, you're great, you know, you've got this, you're going to give a great speech at this, whatever, because he's learned not to do that because I don't believe a fucking word <laughs> until I, until it's afterwards. And people are like, what a great speech. I do not believe a word. Really? So For he gives me, you notes or is it like, is, like if I just say, I can't, believe, why did I say yes to this? This is so stupid. I don't have anything to say. I barely know this person, you know, right, right, right. God damn it. Why did they, who do they, what do they think? Don't they know how busy I am? How'd they think I could do this, yeah. you know? And instead of him being like, come, you know, you're always fine. You always figure out a way. He doesn't say that anymore now because he knows. That Was that it, a conversation you had to have? Well, it means just, nothing to me in right, that moment. Right. All I just needed to be, you know, is just to get out of my way so I can do it. But, yeah. But, you know, it, it doesn't help me to, for him to say, like, oh, you always do it. It's like, well, this is going to be the time that I don't. <laughs> this is going to be the time that I fail publicly terribly. Right, right. I mean, it's so fun. It's so part of, like, the temperament of a 
person who is a perfectionist, regardless of what their career is, mm-hmm. that they uh, when they get in a funk about what they're doing, mm-hmm. there's just no making them happy. Mm-hmm. They're, they mm-hmm. they like it's just like I am. I feel terrible. I'm going to always feel terrible, mm-hmm. and everything is terrible. And uh, the thing that I found to be helpful or useful is just like you will not feel this bad tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like give yourself another 12 hours. If you feel like that voice in your head, that's like, you're not good enough and you're not being as productive as you want to be, or you did the mistake of making a schedule for yourself that you couldn't possibly keep it. Now you feel like shit. Mm -hmm. I think just remind yourself like, you know, tomorrow I won't feel this bad Yeah, (laughs) that I wasn't productive and I don't need this voice to tell me that I suck in order to be productive. I think it's helpful Mm -hmm. for the voice to be like, you're capable of improving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but my voice is still like, yeah, you fucking suck. You can't. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, but but it's like that's I just think that's like kind of a kind of part of the architecture of like the person who's like a perfectionist is just part of their mind, I think. You know, it's funny. It's quote Elizabeth Gilbert again, but she talks about in one of her books um, about how there's a the wolf is the mean voice in your head that tells you you can't do anything. And so what big magic, creative living beyond fear. Yeah. Big magic. That's it. I need to read. Uh, It's really good, actually. And um, are there spells in it? Um, oh, Aaron loves a spell. Well, I there's a wolves. Spell. There's wolves. <laughs> but she talks about the wolf is the mean voice, and what she realizes she can't she can't not have mean voice. Like mean voice is going to always be there. So what she realizes she puts the wolf in the back seat of the car and says, "Okay, here's the deal. You can come on the road trip with us, but you don't get to drive and you don't get to hold the maps." Okay. Well, the Whoa. wolf can't really hold it. Any, they don't have opposable thumbs. They just bite it. <laughs> I think that's a really interesting point, and it and it kind of is a more realistic way to deal with that kind of stress than pretending like you can get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Here's 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 a thought on that. Are there some things that you guys just know that you're so bad at that you're just not even going to try? Like, for example, this gymnastics. Uh, <laughs> for maybe for yeah, for me, it's it's directions. Like, I don't stress out about getting someplace anymore because I have the worst sense of direction imaginable. It never works out. So if I I'm somewhere with Niall, especially who is very good at directions. I just don't even try. I just don't. And if we get lost and it's on him and I feel kind of bad about it, but not that bad because I know myself enough to know this is not something that's ever going to get better. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should just try harder. I probably should. But for me, it's productive to not care about that thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have those those parts of your life that you're just like, I'm not. (laughs) Um, I think that. Yeah, I think that there are certain directions I'm not great at either. Mm-hmm. And um, but if I'm not with somebody that I trust to be better at them than I am, then mm-hmm. I will stress out about them. Sure. So like, you know, I trust that Josh knows how to get around more than I do. And mm-hmm. so I can relax. But mm-hmm. if it were some idiot, I would be like, oh, great. Now I have to worry about this thing. I, right. bad at. I just had this thought that when this airs, you're going to be in Italy. <laughs> and I'm so curious to how you're going to find yourself there in the sense of, did I see enough things? Did I was I was I a good tourist? That's a mm-hmm. great question. How, yeah. how are you on trips like uh, foreign trips like this? How am I on foreign trips? Is a great question. My last big foreign trip. Well, I went to Chile, mm-hmm. and that was <laughs> in January, and we. Flew into Santiago and immediately flew to the very north of the country and went through. It was like a like complete, no breaks, complete like, whirlwind. Like we went oh all God. the way north, did hiking in like remote national parks. Before that, my biggest international trip was Nepal, where I walked 
250 miles through the Himalayas. Whoa. So I'm not really a calm traveler. (laughs) I like, here's the thing. Like we're going to Tuscany. We're going to a villa that his family rented. And I'm really, really excited to be there. And I'm really excited to just stay in one place that is like beautiful. That's Mm -hmm. one thing about Los Angeles is that it is not beautiful. Like you have to move around for it to be beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are there, no matter but where you the are. people are. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I mean, one thing I wanted to say though is like, you know, when it comes to productivity, I get a lot of people who ask me just because of what my background was before I started writing. Um, I used to work nine to five at Merrill Lynch and it wasn't fulfilling and it wasn't great. And mm-hmm. I always felt like I was more creative than the job gave me opportunity to be. And I think a lot of people are in jobs like that. Mm-hmm. So I just would like to ask you, like, when you're working a job that isn't exactly what you want to do and you have your own shit that you want to do in your spare time, how are you productive with being creative in the way that you want to be outside of those job requirements? So I'll start and give you guys a a second to think about it. So Mm -hmm. I was working nine to five in a job that had nothing to do with what I really liked doing. Mm -hmm. But instead of coming home and like sitting and looking at a notebook every night, I uh, started volunteering at this place in Chicago called Pause, which is a no-kill animal shelter. And I just Mm. would go like walk dogs for two hours after work and like play with them. And it was really fun because it felt like I was was working. And Mm -hmm. I find like working to be something that gets my brain going in a good way, Mm -hmm. working in a way that feels good. Mm -hmm. So that kind of helped me come up with, I mean, dogs are fun and, and, and engaging and stuff, but they're also not completely demanding of all of your mental energy. So Mm -hmm. you can be playing with fetch with a dog and also thinking like, Oh, you know what? I never thought of this issue this way. So that was like one thing that, that really helped me be more creative. Also, I took up running Mm -hmm. around the time that Mm -hmm. I started doing that. And running is so good. If you don't get alone time, it is like alone time. Mm. It can be as alone as you need it to be. I was just going to say working out is a great way to get in touch with those creative juices. And and sounds like in general, both both of these examples that you brought up, Erin, are things that are not sitting down and trying to do the thing that you want to be creative at. Mm -hmm. Because I think that can be really counterproductive. Unless you're in a situation, Michaela, like you suggested, which I think is an awesome solution too. Um, It's, to me... To to, me, carve out... Yeah, to carve out time. time, To me, driving like it's very it's very zen I, there are times where if i feel stuck on a part of a script or if i am feeling down i'll sometimes hop in the car and take a drive i haven't done that like very much very recently but for a while the first few years that i was here in la that's really how i got things going for me especially in those like weird trafficy hours of <laughs> three to you are the five. only zen person on I the know. road <laughs> in Los Angeles. i have a lot of patience i do i'm probably weekly. the person behind you honking like, <laughs> what the fuck you know what i think it might have um, been i think it was because growing up my parents were super overprotective and didn't like let me out that much and then when I did have a car it was like all right I'm doing it and I like cherished every moment that I was in the car because I could listen to my music really loudly Uh and like just be by myself like a Tom Petty song (laughs) just freewheeling Ventura Boulevard baby yeah you know it's funny when I felt powerless in my work because it wasn't what I was choosing to do uh I found there's a couple of things. One, I would, I realized that's when I realized writing was one of the most empowering things you could do. Even if it's not a script or something you plan to sell, even if, even it's, if it's not for anybody. Exactly. Yeah. Even if you're just journaling, you know, whatever it is and getting inspiration, you know, do, doing things like go, go see live theater. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, or something you would never do go to a stand-up show, go, something where it's so out of 
your personal mm-hmm. um, or not to interrupt uh, you, but listen to a stand up album. If you can't get to a show, yeah. there's like a ton of them on yeah. Spotify. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's a really like fun way to not have to drive somewhere and yeah. take time. Anyway, sorry, no, totally. Yeah, I, I knit. You know, um, knit. I, do. I love that. I didn't know that. Yeah. What do you knit? I knit. I knit a sweater. <gasps> Guys, do you want to hear something? Yeah. Yes. I was. Um, well, I, I I did have a whole spread in in Vogue knitting magazine. What? what? Yeah. There's what? a Vogue knitting? Guys, let's calm down. It's not a huge deal. Michaela, you've been burying the lead this whole pod. <laughs> yeah. What else are you hiding? What? Uh, what else on. is she Vogue hiding? knitting at Vogue. I know what you're thinking. Vogue has a knitting magazine yeah, just what? for its dedicated 2,000 knitting followers. Um, yeah, but it does. Is it called Pearl? No, it's just folk knitting, guys. Oh my god, okay, that's well, incredible! I kind of want to see. <laughs> I want to see this. <laughs> this is a. Uh, you know what I've also heard, by the way, like from from uh, men and women alike, mostly men and women who live in rural areas, mm-hmm. working with your hands outside. Oh my god, great! Like chopping wood. Everybody uh-huh. I know Gardening. who chops wood or gardens yeah. or like throws clay pots, like push mower, lawn mowing is yeah. good too. Because you can't really do anything except like yeah. get your hands all numb from holding. Yeah, the thing. or blowing glass. No, I don't. <laughs> we don't do we don't do that stuff in, in New York or LA as often, and I think that's like very grounding. Very yeah, grounding. I love I love mowing the lawn. We had a huge lawn growing up because that's how it is in the country. And my mm-hmm. dad used to like I would come home from work or whatever and be like I I got a square ready for you, and it was oh. <laughs> uh, he would segment off the lawn and like give give out squares to my brother and I. That's cute. That's nice. Yeah, and it was, Yeah, I would complain, but I think secretly I or liked it. Baking. Yeah. I don't bake. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when you do, it's got, it's like, it's all, very, it's all consuming. Yeah. yeah. It's very relaxing. Unless you're Aaron and you can listen to Proust, <laughs> an audible book of Proust while running a half marathon. Yeah. I mean, I do have a stand mixer with a treadmill attachment, which <laughs> it's powered by my feet. So <laughs> that's sponsored by Peloton. Some Black Mirror episode. <laughs> that, oof. That is very bleak. But I think the takeaway here is that, you know, if you feel stuck or unproductive, there's a million ways to get unstuck. I think the most uh, debilitating feeling is inside of being stuck or feeling overwhelmed or feeling busy. Your brain tells you that you're always going to feel like this. And mm-hmm. there's always a little thing that kind of can tip the scale into you feeling more productive, feeling more creative and getting done what you need to get done. And breathe. And breathe. Yeah. Breathing is so good. Dude, sleep. It's can I also just say sleep? sleep. Take a breath. Well, let's all remember to breathe and sleep. Yeah. For mm-hmm. sure. And uh, we have to take a break. But when we come back, the hills will die on. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. 
NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One, because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com slash podcast 25. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. welcome back to more hysteria we've reached the end of the show almost almost the end of the show we're at the part of the show where we take adamant stances on things that don't really matter all that much it's the hills we'll die on we're going to start this week with a listener hill hey hysteria crew cj here and the hill i'm gonna die on is if you drive in the left lane going five miles over the speed limit you are a garbage human yeah i'm driving in the left lane for a reason yeah i want to go 80 and you going 65 is just making me angry the people behind me are angry and you're probably angry because i'm riding your ass (laughs) where it's acceptable Mm -hmm. to go the speed limit or barely over preach that's the hill i'm gonna die on yep thanks I'll, yep. die, I'll die there too. I'm, I'll die I'm, there. I too. already. I'm dead. <laughs> I'm dead on that hill. Just leave me. Michaela is post that hill. You're like you are so dead on the hill that people who are also on the hill use your body as a geographic feature <laughs> for directions, like they do on Mount Everest. <laughs> the frozen uh, red parka guy. Oh yeah, just take hang right at Michaela Watkins. <laughs> Her frozen corpse on the hill. Don't drive five hill. miles an hour. With just my fist in the air. <laughs> yes. I I think, that, I think that's a fair one. Yeah. I also think, though, that we live in a culture where people change lanes too much. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And, like, we need to just stay in our own You can get fined for that in the Netherlands. Really? Oh, yeah. They're, like, adamant about 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 driving fast and driving not driving loose. But uh-huh. the, the left lane is for faster, fast. yep. more audacious human beings. The, r- yeah. the left lane is for people who have weighed whether or not they want to get a ticket today and been like, I'll risk it. Yeah, If you're Grace Parra on the road, just like filling some time because you're get trying to find right, yourself. She's in the right lane. I'm a right laner. I'm yeah. a right laner. If you're hanging out in the yeah. left lane, move your ass. Yeah. Okay. Okay, that's fair. Um, also, I'm, people who stop five, like, you know, five car lengths before a red light. Oh, yeah. Get your ass up to the line. Yeah. Now. (laughs) That's another hill. I've I've severed my body. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. uh, I will go next just because uh, this is real stupid. I was going to do a hill I'll die on about Mount Everest because that's a literal hill that people can die on, but that's actually kind of a serious issue. So maybe I'll I'll bring it up like in a serious part of the podcast instead of a dumb one. Here's a hill I'll die on. What is moose? 
What does it do? It's yeah. It's not dare. It's it's non melting ice cream. Do you? I mean, mean like the hair, hair mousse. mousse. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna get incensed about the dessert too. I was like, yeah. What is it, Aaron? How dare you? Um, no, I, I like have used it before, and I'm like, is this doing anything? Is it just yeah. like foamy dirt I put in my hair? You know, it's it's like for those of us with with curls, it kind of it, it, but it makes it crinkly. So like you yeah. you run it through your hair. And then Hi, the natural I'm Michaela Watkins, and I'm from the 80s. And um, <laughs> let me tell you guys about mousse. Okay. Mousse happened after gel. And what happened is nobody gave two shits what mousse was. You just had to have it, and you had to swirl it up in your hand like oh. soft serve ice cream. And then and you used it whether your hair was curly or straight, and it made your hair look like from... Um, <laughs> You know, uh, Cameron Diaz in the movie. Where oh, she yeah. Puts the There's shit. something about Mary. Something about Mary. Yeah. And and you just did it and you didn't ask questions because all you knew was you had mousse in your hair and that meant everything. The fact that it still exists and people still use it is confounding as hell. I shouldn't be using yeah. it, should I? Do you I, use it? I, I, like once a month because I have like a Bumble and Bumble because somebody gave it to me and it's in my cabinet and on occasion I'm like, oh, I want like defined curls today and then I'll put it in and then it'll just like dry my hair out. Right. Yeah, hair yeah. products but are hair products are tough because like and you keep and you hair, keep them when they're free is yeah, the thing. Yeah, you course. keep them around yeah. if you yeah. got it for free. Well, yeah. hair products are tough because everybody's is so different, you know. And so like <sighs> something can be really well reviewed, but it totally wouldn't work on your mm-hmm. hair, especially if if your hair is thick or curly or like mine, it's fine and curly, so it's the mm-hmm. worst of both worlds. Mm-hmm. And like I have to iron it out before I leave the house, or I look it it, it becomes fuzz. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. fuzzy hair. So it's, it's the kinetic sand of hair. Yeah, it is the kinetic. Less fun to play with. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I just don't know what mousse is, and I don't think I'm ever gonna know. And I don't know if it even has a purpose, and I'll die on this hill. I like it. All right, Michaela, do you want to go next? Uh, sure. I, I, you know, as long as we started this podcast about travel, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna have my little hill. How often do you get on a plane? And I just feel like it's this cat and mouse game when there's a little delay where no one wants to tell you what what's up. Oh, you know? oh, it's we're adults. Yeah, we can handle it. If your computer is malfunctioning in the cockpit, just say it, okay? And then when it's fixed, just be like, it's fixed and I really trust it, you know? But don't, I'm tired of everybody being like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. As if nobody's communicating. As if at your job, when nothing is happening, like if I went to work and we weren't shooting anything and somebody said to me, hey, what's going on? How come you haven't started shooting? You've been here five hours. <laughs> I wouldn't be like, Oh, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> and so but stop. like aggressively, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, like, I don't know and fuck you And for don't asking. ask me. Yeah. Like I say to a flight attendant, do you know what time we land? And they always ask, act like this is the most outlandish, crazy, out of the box question that nobody has ever asked them yeah, before. Yeah. They're always like, oh. Uh, I don't know, like 11? And you're like, really? Because that's two hours after we're supposed to land. 11, you're just throwing it out there? Like, I want to know when my shift ends. If I were her, I'd be like, I want to know when it ends. <laughs> see, I see it as like this this like little flirtation that I didn't ask to be part of. Like, I don't know. Um, when will we take off? And uh, why are you asking these questions, huh? When when are we going to land in Vancouver? Who knows? What makes you so interesting? <laughs> No, no, get me to my final look destination. That's all I want. I want this date to end. <laughs> like, no, no, I'm not. I'm not flirting with you. I really, genuinely want to know. 
<laughs> I mean, you got to keep them guessing. Keep the mystery alive. Yeah, I guess so. Will they, won't they? Who you knows? You know, this job gets so tedious. It's the little fun <laughs> mysteries, I guess. That Workplace keep me going. romances that just get us through the day. When will we land? <sighs> Who can say? Yeah. She says as she steps out of the spotlight like a noir heroine. I'm just here now. That's all I know. Are you? <laughs> It's got real David Lynchy. Yeah. Uh, Grace, what's the hill you'll die on this week? All right, you guys, ready for this? Yeah. Here we go. My hill that I'm going to die on this week is that we need to stop it with celery juice. Every other post on Instagram, every other goop article, every other health-related thing that I see online is, hey, have you guys tried celery juice? Yeah, I tried it. I got into it. I had the big D, okay? I'll let you fill in the blanks as to what that means. It, oh. Yes, yes, I yes, was like, yes. dick? No. Yeah, she got a no big, no big penises. Well, <laughs> like, how is that bad? <laughs> Okay. No, here's what it was. It was it was tummy trouble up the wazoo. Mm-hmm. And I hate the taste of it. I don't understand. It's a big fad. Why is everyone doing it? Get off my nuts about needing to drink celery juice every morning. I'm sorry if I haven't seen God because I don't drink celery juice every day, but I just don't think it's going to change my life that much. And you guys are in my face about it. And I, I don't want it anymore. I feel assaulted by it. I feel personally assaulted by celery juice. Ring, ring. Hello. <laughs> Have you had your celery juice, Grace? <laughs> We're just calling to find out. Or Grace picks up the phone and it's just like, heavy breathing. She's like, celery juice, I fucking know it's you. I know it's you. Please stop calling this number. Why won't you leave me alone? That's how I feel. I feel salted every day. Sometimes I just want to wake up and have a pancake. I don't want celery juice. I don't. Don't shove it down my throat anymore. Sometimes I think that Instagram's algorithm has broke bad mm. it, like <laughs> sometimes it like recommends things to me where I look at it and I'm just instantly enraged I'm like yes. why the fuck would I want to see this post? why do I want a bamboo comforter yeah 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 it's been really aggressive with like wellness and lifestyle mm-hmm. stuff with me where it's mm-hmm. just like I got this like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in a yep. I'm in a pretty solid groove with how I take care of my body I don't want your weird powder that uh, Instagram model who ha- somehow has a million followers followers who has no other discernible life skills. Yep. Why would I take? Uh, yeah. Stop it. That's celery juice for me. Yeah. It's haunting me. Mine God. is turn your bed into a desk. And I, I don't like Whoa, what that says no. about me. Talk about productivity. <laughs> turn your bed that's into a real, I was a real like, thing. turn your marriage into a divorce. <laughs> also, turn your desk into a bed is the really productive way to be you know yeah yeah like you should be sleeping at your desk not like working in your turn bed. your vibrator into a cell phone <laughs> <laughs> are you there hello <laughs> somebody did that that's how steve jobs came up with uh, really <laughs> i wonder what it would be like to just go into like a a babeland store and just like test all of them <laughs> so they were telephones i think they have smart vibrators now i've read yeah which don't if if it's smart it can be hacked they have the jewelry thing. vibrators too yeah like little necklaces well oh, that's a whole other story that I, is an episode it's a whole yeah that's a whole episode but not this episode because <laughs> we're being productive and we're establishing hills that will die on that are unproductive and that's all the time we have oh, guys damn it grace I and hate Michaela, it when it ends i know me too it's too much fun thanks so much for stopping by listeners thanks for hanging out and have a safe and productive week there'll be more hysteria in seven days yay
Your business was humming, but now you're falling behind. Your teams are buried in manual work, tasks are taking forever to complete, and getting one source of truth is like pulling teeth. If this is you, then you should know these three numbers, 37,000. That's the number of businesses that have upgraded to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, streamlining accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, and more. 25. NetSuite turns 25 this year. That's 25 years of helping businesses do more with less, close their books in days, not weeks, and drive down costs. One. Because your business is one of a kind. Get a customized solution for all your key performance indicators in one efficient system with one source of truth. Manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins. With NetSuite, it's everything you need to grow, all in one place. Get your business back to the greatness where it belongs. Learn more at netsuite.com podcast 25. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. <laughs> 